Well, hey there, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back to the channel for this special Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 completely open spoiler discussion where we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and all of its gory details. Now, listen, guys, in case that didn't give it all away, this is an open spoiler discussion. If you have not yet seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and you don't want to know what happens in it, just add this video to your favorites list and come back a little bit later and visit it once you have. Otherwise, you have been warned. Uh, so this is what we're going to do here, guys. We're just going to take your comments, thoughts, observations, theories about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And again, in an open spoilery way. Now, we've had the Super Chats open for a while. We'll leave them open for just a couple of minutes more, but then we're going to turn them off. So if you've got a thought, theory, opinion, question about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, maybe just an observation, and you want to share it, go ahead and fire that in now. Again, the Super Chats will only be open for the next couple of minutes. Um, anyway... Uh, let me give you my kind of thoughts on the movie. You guys have already seen me review the film. I loved the movie. I, I really did. Now, it's not my favorite of the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. I th still think number one is my favorite by just a, just a little bit. By just a little bit, number one is still my favorite. I thought it was much better than number two. And I, I like number two, but I thought this one was much better than number two. And, you know, the words I used coming out of watching Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was satisfying. You know, we, we knew for a long time, James Gunn said probably over a year ago, that this was going to be the last time that we see this group of the Guardians of the Galaxy together. And so we kind of knew that this is the closing chapter. And all I can say is like, when we see Mantis going off on her own, we see Peter going back to Earth, and ultimately, at the end, when we've got this kind of new collection of Guardians with Come and Get Your Love playing again at the end, which was so perfect, so perfect that they ended it that way. That was the feeling I had was satisfied. It was a very, very satisfying uh, movie, a very, very satisfying closing chapter. Um, and again, I just had a blast. It was definitely hilarious. Definitely a lot of tears in the theater I was in when I saw it. I've been hearing from a lot of you guys that there was a lot of tears flowing as well uh, in the movie, but just somehow James Gunn does it, man. He finds a way to have us rolling in the aisles laughing, but also weeping our eyeballs out at, with heavy, heavy emotional hooks. And he just finds a way to make marry those two together in like an almost seamless and flawless way. And, um, you know, Marvel's loss is DC's gain. <laughs> James Gunn's going over there. But, you know, what a great thing to do. And, you know, the fact that they took Rocket and made Rocket the emotional anchor, like really kind of the, the eye of the storm for all the um, emotionalisms of the movie and how human they made him in it was so beautiful. And I still, I'll never forget the moment little young, you know, uh, Rocket is laying in his cell and just says, hurts. And then everybody broke. Everybody broke. It was so, so, so well done. Uh, I mean, listen, but you guys have heard me talk about Guardians of the Galaxy already. Let's spend our time here today hearing from you and hearing what you guys thought about Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy, your observations about it, uh, your thoughts on it, your questions about it. So let's not waste any more time and get right to that. So Jonathan is joining me here today, as is Ray. So Jonathan, what are people bringing up? All right. First, we got 
the boy Wanda. Uh, the high evolutionary is the most cruel, evil, and vile villain in the MCU. Uh, there was nothing redeemable about him, in my opinion. When Rocket's first words were hurts, I almost lost it. The hallway fight was elite. Hallway fight was fantastic. It, it was... That is the set piece of the movie. And what's really great about the hallway scene and that fight in there is that every single member of the Guardians got their moment to shine, to show off their special finishing moves, if you will, you know, if it was a video game. And you know what? Here's the thing about High Evolutionary. What really, when you think about it, it's not that he's evil. It's not that he's any one of a thousand different things. He is a this he is the perfect representation of if you take a character, give that character some power, and remove any sense of empathy. If you remove from that character any empathy whatsoever, you're left with a high evolutionary. Right? Like I never felt you know, in the movie, like, oh, he's he's going to take over the unit. I, I want to rule the universe. I want to rule the world. I want to do this. I just I just want to go out and kill people. No, it's just that he has an absolute absence of empathy. So he can be sitting there and having this great little conversation with young little Rocket. And remember that first that conversation we saw with him and young Rocket, that was actually kind of endearing for a minute. But because he laps, lacks absolutely any empathy at all. Rocket, this little creature he's talking to, to him is no more than a than a rock sitting on a sidewalk. He has zero empathy. So it's like, so he can be having this conversation with him and then next going, oh yeah, we don't need that anymore. Uh, incinerate it. You know what I mean? It's, it's a fabulous look at that. And uh, I thought that was really well done. All right, what's next? Oh, all right. The boy Wanda is back. Uh, I hope Marvel looks at the writing in this movie and shows it to Waldron and uh, Loveness to let them know this is how it's done. Well, I mean, look, those are two professional writers. And it's, uh, here's the thing that still gets me about it. Like, yes, this this movie was a very well-written movie. Um, I, it still kills me, though, that a lot of film fans have this fantasy in their head that writing movies is easy and writing a really good movie is easy. Now, look, I, I am also one of the people that's a little bit concerned that, uh, you know, after watching Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, that this is like the same guy who's going to be doing one of these adventure films. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned about that. But, I mean, they're professional writers. They're going to do the best that they can. Ultimately, it's going to be up to Kevin Feige to read the script and say, okay, this is good enough or this is not good enough. So I'm going to put a lot of that on him as well. So, hey, listen, we've seen lots of writers because writers are like anybody else. They have good days at the office and they have bad days at the office. I've seen lots of writers where, you know, the previous movie they had done wasn't so hot. And then the next movie they did was practically Oscar worthy. So let's hope it's the latter instead of the former. All right. What's next? All right. Walter White Walker uh, writes real Deadpool Vanessa vibes with rockets, quote unquote, death. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have been the only one that thought that was a direct lift from Deadpool 2, right? Like that, that was it was the exact same thing. You know, Wade thinks he dies and he's talking to Vanessa and then Vanessa, and that's where he really wants to be is with Vanessa and the Vanessa says, but it's not your time yet. And that's exactly what they did in Guardians of the Galaxy. So I'm glad I'm not the only one who caught that a little bit. All right, what's next? All right, we've got Jeffrey Pemberton who writes, was I the only one that thought Gamora was going to save Peter at the end, just like he saved her uh, when she was stuck in space? Missed opportunity, in my opinion. Mm. No, I think it would have been too cliche. I, th I think that would have been a little bit too cliche. Um, 
listen, I'm I'll tell you straight up. I actually thought they were killing Peter. I did too. Yeah. When his face when his face puffed up, I was like, oh, I think. Yeah, and, I think and that's by the it. way, if his face is doing that, his brain is doing that too, and he really would be dead. But okay, we'll put that aside for a second. Um, no, I they actually convinced me for a minute that he was going to die. And then of course they had uh, uh Warlock come out come out and save him, and and, and that was fine. Uh, but no, they convinced me. But the only thing I didn't like about it, though, as I was watching the movie, I was okay if Peter died. I mean, that's this is the climactic ending to the Guardians of the Galaxy saga, all that kind of stuff. But I remember thinking to myself, are they really going to kill him, though, for going back to get his Zune? That, like, if he had gone back to get one last child remaining and saves the child and then dies saving, saving the child, I would have been okay with that. I mean, I love Star-Lord. I don't want him to die, but I'm like, that would have been a, a heroic end. I thought, are they really going to kill him for going back and getting his Zoom? And so I'm, I'm glad they didn't do that. All right, what's next? All right. We've got uh, Noor Kambaj who writes, great film, although I was surprised none of the Guardians died. The team itself did, as we know it. I'm excited to see where James Gunn takes uh, the DCU. So That's I. the biggest surprise of the movie. Everybody was looking for who's going to die, who's going to die. Is it going to be Peter? Is it going to be Rocket? Is it going to be Drax? I was going to put my money on Drax since Dave Bautista was so anti, like I'm never doing Marvel again. Uh, so I thought it would have been him, but they caught us out of left field. None of them. And I think almost nobody probably guessed that. I think everybody guessed somebody was going to die and they didn't. So in that way, well done, James Gunn. You surprised all of us. All right, what's next? Uh, I, I'd be surprised if Ray was in actually Walter Whitewalker who writes, so how does Cosmo drop a deuce in that suit, LOL? That's a that's a very good question. Uh, he must have a little flappy or something. You know what? No, telekinesis. Yeah, he just, that's right. Telekinesis. God, I was just so happy to see Cosmo in that movie. That's all I know. All right, what's next? All right. Um, I even loved like just how they had the subtle expression with the eyes. Yeah, on, on they did Rocky. a really good job with Cosmo. He looked that Cosmo looked fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Callum writes the that rocket and Lila scene in the sky was so sad. Look, there are several moments in this movie. <laughs> that are so emotionally moving. Like I, I, I don't know that I've ever felt heartbreak in a comic book movie. Like I did when rocket <laughs> turned around and saw Teef's floor and Lila yeah. dead. I, I, I don't know that I've ever well, like yeah. almost physically felt my heart crack in half. And then only to follow up the other two got it too in the yeah, misdirected fire. Yeah. You know, the walrus and the rabbit. No, as I said, Lila, oh, Teefs, and Flora. Oh, 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 when, yeah, yeah, when yeah. he saw, I'm like, the other two? What other two? What did I miss? <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, you, I, it broke, that broke me. That, like, totally broke me. I mean, the only other scene like that that I can think about that really, really got me was in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is not a fantastic movie, but when uh, he's trying to save Gwen and it's too late and she right. dies in his arms. I mean, like I remember that was like, even though I didn't love that movie, I was emotionally moved and Oh yeah. God, that was heartbreaking. Oh, it even got you that storyline. still got you in no way home when he finally saves uh, MJ. Right. Because he kind of redeemed himself. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's the, but and, and he even like tears up a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was a really, I think a lot of that was, listen, that was clearly fan service. Yeah. But it serviced me just fine. But it was <laughs> it was well used fan service. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, what's next? All right. Um, let's see. We did 
that one. Yeah, okay, so Walter White Walker's back. And how about that Eagly cameo, Sly James Sly? I missed that. Was Eagly in this? Now, of course, for those of you who don't know, because maybe you didn't watch the show, Eagly is the pet and best friend mm-hmm. of Peacemaker in the Peacemaker series. I, I mean, did you catch something that I didn't? Uh, Michael Gonzalez in the live chat is saying, yep. Although Colonel Saunders is saying it's a modified Eagly. Okay, but no, I could. Uh, now I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. And this yeah, time maybe what? when the they were running out, right? The animals, or maybe oh, when they're checking out the cages. Oh, that's when they're jumping from from uh, the evolutionary that, ship or into when nowhere. First, when you first go and see the cages. I think you're probably, that's probably where it was. It was probably when he was jumping from one into the next. That would be interesting. All right, what's next? All right, uh, Gabe Campbell writes, just saw it yesterday, absolutely loved it. That hallway fight was so damn cool, and I've always been obsessed with the way James Gunn moves the camera during um, action sequences. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if that's James Gunn or if that's his second unit director. Yeah. A lot of times in a lot of action films, second unit directors will will deal with action scenes and stuff like that. Well, Not he, all the time. So well, he, and a cinematographer. You think he would have yeah. had that ideal in his head and then the, the person oh, actually, was actually executed well, no, no, it? Don't get me wrong. It, it oh. all would have been storyboarded and planned out in okay. advance. But then the like the actual placement of the camera here, like that's sometimes the director, sometimes that's the cinematographer. Sometimes that's the second unit director. But but the the common theme though is as that in I love the way James Gunn does his action sequences. Yeah. And which is funny because before Guardians of the Galaxy, he was never known for his action sequences, but he's pretty darn good at it. It was even just subtle, like I noticed. Oh, wrong one. Subtle things um, when they're just having conversations. There's subtle camera motions that I was like, wow, this, this is very different. You know. Yeah. All right, we've got. Um, yeah, Walter White Walker would have been cringe fun if Groot uh, said family. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I, I half expected it. At the end, when we actually get to hear him as the audience, we are now like the Guardians and we get to hear and understand Groot. And he said, I love you guys. You could hear his voice too. I Oh, you totally heard Vin's voice. But as soon as we saw he's about to, his movement suggested he was about to speak, I would have bet a hundred Canadian dollars. <laughs> That he was about to say family. Under the same movie studio, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it it was under Universal for sure, but I swear I thought, because listen, they did the joke in uh, Shazam 2, right? Right. Because he's sitting there, Shazam's sitting there with, uh, why am I freezing on the actress's name? Helen Mirren. He's sitting with Helen Mirren, who is in the Fast and the Furious movies, and he makes the Fast and Furious joke, because it's all about family, right? right? So... When when Groot started to move, you could tell he's about to speak. I again, I would have bet real hard Canadian currency that he was about to say family or <laughs> you're my family or something like that. And I think as cringy as I admit it would have kind of been, yeah. I think it might have been a little bit of a missed opportunity. All right. What's oh, I, and I got what you said about Bebop and Rocksteady. I was like, that would. Oh, yeah. Once too. you saw the movie. Yeah, yeah. this totally Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> All right, Sam Fisher writes, I really like this movie. I love that James Gunn leaned into his horror roots and that High Evolutionary was basically Dr. Moreau. Oh, totally, totally, totally. Actually, I ran into, coming out of the theater that I saw it in, a bunch of viewers of the John Campbell show stopped me and one of them kind of did that direct mention was the the Isle of Dr. Monroe, right? It's like, that's totally kind of what this is. Now, they really changed High Evolutionary from the comic books. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, for those of you who don't know, I mean, we did an editorial video on High Evolutionary, but like in the comics, High Evolutionary is 
a human earth dude, right? And this is totally different. He just visited earth once, but uh, yeah, it totally had those vibes. And you know what? There was even a little bit of slither in there. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of slither, which is my favorite James Gunn movie. But I think that's a really, really perfect observation you made. All right. What's next? Okay, we've got Elizabeth Hirado, who writes, um, as someone who is a huge fan of Florence and the Machine, gun-placing dog days are over at the end of, uh, to me, was perfect. She also posted her reaction when she heard the song in the film. Oh, no, really? Okay, that I have to find. Ray, if you could try to find that, I and don't, I mean, just show it to me after the show's done, because I would love, love to see that. Guys, once again, what's that? Florence and the Machine? Oh, okay. Um, I, the, once again, James Gunn absolutely nailed all the music selection. The music selections in this were great. But again, to me, the best music piece was going back to the very first song we heard in guardians one with come and get your love. That was just the perfect way to end that. But all the songs right in the middle of that were great too. All right. What's next? All right. We've got, uh, um, Mauricio uh, Fagundas, who writes, seeing Gamora uh, dying didn't make me cry. Neither did Natasha or May, not even Tony, but Rocket, Quill, and Groot. Um, hugging. Hugging. Uh-huh. Oh, probably hugging. Uh, yeah. Made my eyes wet. And, uh, and so did the moment between Rocket and baby raccoons. Yeah, the, that moment was... <laughs> when he goes back and gets the baby raccoons. Oh, my God. I can't. It's so funny, because, listen, Ann and I for like six or seven years, we lived in Burbank and there were a bunch of raccoons in Burbank. We would go walking at night and every night at my house. Yeah. At least every other night we'd see one or two raccoons walking around. And Anne was always a little nervous about Mm -hmm. raccoons. Now, after that, she's like, I want to move back to Burbank and Uh, see my raccoon friends. I'm surprised there aren't any out here. No, there are. I never see any out. I'm sure they are here. I just never see them. Living in the backyard, like at the house across the street, but I don't know what happened to it. Uh, I yeah I I don't think I've seen a raccoon once. I'm sure they're here. I just don't think I've seen them before. Yeah. All right. What's next? All right. We've got Harv's K. So Rocket spares a high evolutionary's life, but we don't see his fate later. Do we think he died on his ship, or was his uh, was he shipped off to supervillain prison off screen? I think he died. Oh, he died. Yeah. They they definitely let him die on that ship. But again, this this is a little note of inconsistency for me in the movie. All right. I talked about a little bit before with Adam Warlock, but it's even more applicable to the high evolutionary. You know, they go, oh, no, no, don't kill him. You know, don't, no, don't do it. We're heroes. You know, we, you know, just, there's no point in killing him right now. Meanwhile, you know how many people the Guardians of the Galaxy killed in this movie? A lot. Including like Peter and Groot in that room and, and Peter's giving the instruction to Groot, kill them all. And then they have to capture that scientist, right? And it's like, that scientist wasn't even armed. That scientist wasn't even a threat. He was armed with knowledge. The plan was murder. <laughs> that was the plan. Didn't he have the key to save Rocket, though? Yeah. But that so the, plan was, the plan was murder. He just pulled it out of his head. That was the plan. Like, kill everybody else here. All the people in the hallway, just kill them all. All that kind of stuff. But. You know, he could have gave the code. Got the high evolutionary the there? All right. Yep. No, no, let him live. No, no, don't, don't. Let's not do that. Or or what always got me was with Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock, who literally showed up at the beginning of the movie and nearly killed Rocket. Like the whole, he was on life support most of the movie because of that. And they're killing all these other people, but, you know, Groot shows up. It's like, everyone deserves a second chance. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> Come on. I, I'm good with that. I just wish the movie was a little bit more consistent with that. That's all. All right. What's next? All right. Uh, I like the subtle call. Oh, so Sam Fisher. I like the subtle callbacks like Rocket calling them the freaking guardians of the galaxy. Peter Helmetless in space. They weren't in your face. Um, although somebody brought this up to me after I saw the movie. It's like, where was Peter's helmet? And, and, and his rocket boots. Like, did he just suddenly decide it's a new fashion choice? I don't like my helmet. My breathe in outer space helmet. My targeting assist helmet and my boots that give me the joyous miracle of flight. I, I now I don't know if maybe I just missed something in the movie where they explain why he doesn't have his rocket boots, which would have come in handy many times in this movie, or his helmet. I'm not quite sure why uh, they didn't. But uh, I said mean, the boots were were destroyed in volume two. They couldn't be replaced. I don't know. One of a kind. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Anyway, all right. What's next? All right. Okay, we got. Uh, we got Oscar here who writes, I love Guardians 3 and better last uh, two movies. Um, good heartfelt moments with Rocket villain. Old and new characters are excellent too. Good music, exciting story. Even my mom, my coworkers, and my twin sister loved it too. I mean, it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautifully done movie. I, again, I don't even think it's the best of the franchise. And, you know, I, I still stand by having watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and The Flash back-to-back. I still think Flash is actually even a little bit better of a movie. I Like, if I had the option to go watch Guardians 3 again tonight or Flash, I would probably go watch Flash again. Uh, but that's really more of a, yeah. a commentary on how much I liked Flash. Guardians is great, though. And again, to me, just that word, satisfying. So beautifully satisfying of an ending. And if that's the type of sensibility that James Gunn is bringing with him over to D.C., DC's got some pretty fucking good days ahead, like some really, really good days ahead. So let's keep our eyes on that. All right. What's next? All right. Hitchcock is the goat, writes, the door's now open for Peter Quill to be an Avenger. True, but they're going to have to do something, right? Like at some point, my prediction is his part celestial DNA is going to reemerge. Because I don't think Peter's just another average dude can just show back up on Earth and like I'm an Avenger. I I think at some some point they will say something happens that reawakens his part celestial DNA, um, all that kind of stuff. So yes, it totally opens the door for him to be an Avenger. I love the fact, by the way. I thought it was very telling, but I also really liked it that the movie didn't end with the Guardians of the Galaxy will return. It ended with. Star Lord will return. Right. And I really, because I love Chris. First of all, I love Chris Pratt, but I love Chris Pratt particularly in this role of Star Lord. And uh, yeah, and you're right. I think we're going to see it. He'll, he'll definitely be in Avengers. Interesting, too. They didn't say Peter Quill will return. They no, said Star Lord. Star Lord. Yeah. And, and was it Star Lord or was it the the infamous or the famous or the, the whatever? Legend. The legend. Legendary the Star Lord. Legend, the legendary Star Lord will return, something along those lines. All right, what's next? All right, Oscar is back and writes, my mom was shocked and cried for Lila's death. It broke her. Oh, listen, I'll tell you, sitting in the theater, it wasn't just Dan. Like, first of all, when the word hurts came out, you you heard, but oh my God, yeah. That scene though, where Lila, Teefs, and Floor die. I, I, I'm, I'm, that is one of the most impactful moments I've ever seen in a, in a comic book movie. I, I mean, it's just, that fucking rabbit. <laughs> it just like the, 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 like they did such a good job making sure that floor 
kind of represented everything that is sweet and innocent. Like Flora, the little rabbit was like the embodiment of innocence, right? And then turn around and see was gunned down. It's like, oh, oh, like I could could feel the air leave my lungs. You know what I mean? Oh, it was horrible, but beautiful at the same time. It was like stray bullets, right? Yeah, they weren't aiming for them, but yeah, they got hit because they were in the crossfire. All right, what's next? All right, Sam Fisher has a two-parter. Fun fact, Peter's father in the comics is the tyrannical king of Spartax, right? Named uh, Jason and Star-Lord is actually the name given to the crown prince. That's where the granddad's name Jason comes from. I think there were a couple of different origin stories. If I'm not mistaken, I think Peter has... I mean, this is true of many, many, many comic book characters where their origin stories have been changed and done a couple of times. I think Peter may have had the same one too, but that thing about... Uh, Jace, that makes sense. That would make sense. Actually, that's a good thing. That's a good observation. All right, what's next? All right, Oscar writes, uh, the only negative thing, uh, the only negative that I have for, for the film is Adam Warlock. <laughs> he doesn't do much. It makes me feel pointless uh, for that character being in this movie. I said the exact same thing. My one big critique. Now, the thing about, uh, so you spare Adam Warlock and High Evolutionary, but kill everybody else. I mean, that's just like a nitpick, but my one problem with the film the one if i had to point to the thing that i thought was the one glaring weakness of the film it was adam warlock now granted fortunately adam warlock is only the eighth or ninth most important character in the film i mean high evolutionary is a more important character star lord gamora nebula drax Groot, rocket i mean so on and so forth but it, it was i thought it was misuse in a two different ways number one he really wasn't in the movie much at all like very very little and when he was in the movie kind of annoying i mean i didn't like i didn't like the way they manifested the character now that's not to say that i won't be interested to see him in the mcu more if they involve him a little bit but i i agree with you i thought the one weak link in this fabulous chain that is the guardians of the galaxy 3 i thought maybe the one weak link was probably the adam warlock character i agree with that I think it would have been giving him the spotlight. Too much of the spotlight would have ruined whatever Gunn was trying to do. I think it, it was it it was like an introductory, so people will know who he is next time if he ever gets comes. Well, on screen. he also, in my opinion, he stood to represent the high evolutionary. Is like he's searching for perfection, but he makes mistakes. Like he hatched him early because he got he got you know scared, so he hatched Warlock early. So he's very childish and. It also links us to like, oh, well, he created this race and and whatever. Like, I understand there was purposes to it. So I'm not going to say he was useless, but I also understand people's complaints. Now, somebody in the live chat is saying you guys uh, expect too much out of a comic book character. Well, no, I would suggest you're not expecting enough. Uh, Expecting too much of a comic character and forget these are adaptations of that character. Yeah, no, I agree. But all of the characters in Guardians of the Galaxy are just really sometimes very liberally adapt adapted from the comic book pages. They're not fateful adaptations. None of them are, but that doesn't change the fact that we expect good characters, right? We still expect good character. I like high evolutionary ended up being good character, totally different from how he is in the comic book, a thousand percent different than he is in the comic book. But if they still managed to create a good, you know, multidimensional character that we got some kind of emotional investment in, even if it's like negative emotion, but I just thought, yeah, I, I, I felt nothing. So he didn't work for you? Yeah. I actually liked the way he was. It was just, it, Adam Warlock? stupid funny to me. I got nothing it's out not, of him. It's not, it's not. I did, for sure. It's not the, uh, we saw glimpses of his power, which was great. When he wanted to get something done, like, it was like that. 
so we could tell how powerful he is. He's just like a was like a baby with powers. He's a baby uh, Captain you Marvel. You know, and, 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 and I, I thought Groot as a baby with powers was more compelling as a character. I, I think we'll, we we get the better Adam Warlock if they use him again later on. I agree. On. I think this was just for him to be a part of something and. I, I like this movie. I really like it. I didn't think there was any uh, problem with any character in it, to be honest. I, I did like how he was empathetic, unlike his mother or, like, obviously his creator, in in that when you see the the repercussions, he overused his power and burned that one dude. And he's like, oh. And then they were like, kill the animal. They're like, But he has feelings. And you start to see, like, oh, my God, the high evolutionary killed my mother. And, and these have repercussions. Like, he started to get a moral compass. I did appreciate that. See, I... I never got the sense that he was getting a moral compass at all. Mm. I, I thought he was kind of, I thought he he lacked any empathy right up until the moment that Groot spared him. But I, well, but that's that's just me. That's just me. I do agree with Ray though that I think if we do see him back again next time, we'll get a better representation because he's like century powered. Yeah. yeah all right. What's next? All right. Sam Fisher writes, I love the high evolutionary's motivation. Do you? He's created all these species, but the only one to ever have actual intelligence was Rocket and Abomination. Well, no, he had lots of his creations had great intelligence, but none of them had, what would you call it? Original um, thought. Transcendent intelligence, Mm -hmm. right? Like he had transcendent intelligence. Rocket had intelligence that rivaled or exceeded that of high evolutionaries himself. Yeah. In a way, high evolutionary was kind of like a Thanos again. Like in the one sense, Thanos, despite the fact that he was t- completely evil and committing genocide, but in his own mind, he was the hero because he was trying to save the universe, right? High evolutionary has a bit of that Thanosism in it that he's like, I'm trying to create a perfect society. I'm trying to create a perfect world. And in his own mind, that makes him the hero of his own story. That to me makes villains rather... Um, compelling is when the the villains truly do see themselves as the hero of the story. And I know, don't get me wrong. I don't think high evolutionary was as good of a villain as Thanos, but that's what I think made him tick and what made him pretty compelling. I, as a villain. I, the whole time. Cause you're talking about Thanos and, and um, uh, I just kept thinking like, what is the high evolutionary's thoughts on Thanos and wanting to wipe out half of his species and, there obviously must Some have reference been, would have been nice. Yeah, because there had to have been conflict. Meanwhile, Kang is watching all this. This was just kind of going through my head, you know? All right, what's next? All right, uh, we've got Ethan Holgate. I teared up on the scene where uh, Rocket discovers all the baby raccoons in the mm-hmm. cage. Sees, uh, and just seeing him grab them all, and he mm-hmm. knows what he'll do. All As he knows what he'll do uh, to them. Yeah, um, well, I mean, he was taking them off because the ship was going to explode and they were going to die. But, I mean... They were just so cute. I've, I, I'll tell you what. I've always kind of thought raccoons were cute. <laughs> I've, I've always kind of liked them. Until I watched some, until I watched some videos of, like, I saw a couple of videos where people, like, a bird made a nest in somebody's home, so they put in a camera so they could watch the bird raising their little baby birds, and then all of a sudden, a raccoon comes busting in the thing and eats, tears the yeah, birds I apart. Yeah, I mean, raccoons can be if they're hungry, they can be. Terrible. Oh yeah, but hey, they're just like any other creature, right? Yeah. They gotta eat. I get it. Well, yeah, <laughs> all right, tear what's you next? Apart. All right. Uh, Amin writes, haven't laughed this much in a Marvel film in a long time. Uh, almost all the jokes hit for me. Very similar to Thor 3. Which do you prefer between uh, the two? So Ragnarok oh. or this? Uh, I'm going to give the nod to Ragnarok. Um, I mean, Ragnarok is a top 10. But I mean, I, gave, I listed this off before. Ragnarok to me is a top 10 comic book film of all time. 
Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't know if it's a top 10 of all time. It's certainly high up there. I, I, I love this movie, but I think I'll slightly give the edge to Guard or to Thor Ragnarok. Ever so slightly, but I'll give the edge to Thor Ragnarok. All right. I mean, it's definitely better than Thor Love and Thunder. Okay. <laughs> like that one's easy, but uh, I'll give the slight edge to Ragnarok. All right. What's uh, next? All right. Sam Fisher writes I really like how this movie leaned into the fact that everyone thinks Peter is an idiot, like with the impassioned speech and trap face off moments. Yet he's always right. And yet he's often right. I mean, that's the. I love the fact that they never made Peter, because there could have been the temptation of this, the Jar Jar Binks. You know, the bumbling hero that accidentally succeeds. Um, and I'm glad they they didn't, uh, they never actually went that way. All right, what's next? Harvest K writes, it would be tough to imagine uh, more Guardians of the Galaxy movies without Gunn, but I did like the new Rocket-led uh, lineup and hope we see them all down the road again. We probably will. Yeah, so I while I agree, at first thought... It is difficult to imagine Guardians of the Galaxy without James Gunn. But then you remember that we already have seen Guardians of the Galaxy without James Gunn in Infinity War and Endgame. And they were still great in Infinity War and Endgame. James Gunn had kind of set the template for what they are. And then other directors, in this case, the Russo brothers, were able to come in, pick up that template and use those characters with their template in something else. And so since we've already kind of seen it done, even though I hear a lot of people saying, and, and my first thought was, man, it's impossible to, to imagine Guardians of the Galaxy without James Gunn. But I thought, well, you know, we have seen the Guardians of the Galaxy without James Gunn. You know, as long as you get in directors who know how to take the template that exists and build upon it rather than just change it all up, I think they could still be and, fine. And, and you know what I really, one of the things I, I really liked about this movie was even though it gave you that ending, whatever, I would be fine if this was the last Guardians movie I see for the rest of my life. Like, it, it, it ended that well for me. I didn't have, I was satisfied. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Like, I could just imagine them fighting other things in my right. head. Don't I don't to need to see there. it on screen. You yeah. know what I But I, I would be, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I want to see Cosmo. I want to see more Cosmo in action. Oh, we also saw Guardians. I don't know. Did you already mention that? Uh, Guardians in uh, Thor 4? Too, not just uh, end Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, not much of not them, much. but we did get a little of them in yeah. Thor 4. The, I would also say this. The new iteration of Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. are a more powerful group oh, than yeah. the first iteration. Like Cosmo by himself. And then on top of Cosmo, Adam Warlock. <laughs> yeah. Who and now which... you've got a Kraglin who has mastered that arrow. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger Groot. I mean, you're you're talking now about a group where Rocket is probably the least powerful ever, and then who knows what that little girl can do? Yeah. So that I mean, you could arguably say that that Guardians of the Galaxy group might be able to take the the original Guardians of the Galaxy group in a fight. Yeah, and you know they also could call backup and get Drax and and uh, uh, what's her name? Nebula. Yeah, Nebula is backup. They're still they there to. on nowhere. Yeah. All right, uh, let's do one more, then we'll take a break. All right. Uh, Sam Fisher, I want that picture at the end of the credit. Oh, yeah. At the end of the credits, uh, framed and gun nearly got me with the deaths of Peter and Rocket nearly. You're talking about with the new group of Guardians uh, of the new So in the credits, do you remember they had like, they were almost like rock stars and they're like sitting against the wall? Oh, oh yeah. yes, like yes, yes. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. It was like a behind the scenes picture, right? But listen, there were a couple of deaths that I thought were that, that I thought were impending. The, obviously, we've already talked about Peter. We, I, they got me. I mean, they. I thought Peter was going to die in that scene. I knew Rocket wouldn't die, right? Because the whole 
synopsis of the film was the Guardians race against time to save their friend. So I knew that Rocket wouldn't die. But uh, there was a moment there that I thought um, uh, Mantis was going to die. There was that moment when Nebula was trying to take control of the ship that I thought she was going to die. I thought Nebula was going to go down with the ship there. So I thought she was going to die there. I thought so too. I thought that was going to be the death there. Yeah. There was a moment that I thought Drax might die. Like they, like they knew that all of us in the audience were going to be looking for which one of the Guardians are going to die. And they almost like gave us this little tease with every single one of them. So they, they handled that very well. All right, guys, listen. Uh, we've got a bunch more to get to here, but before we do, we're going to take just a quick moment here and thank the sponsor of our video right now, the wonderful folks over at Manscaped. We want to thank the sponsor of today's video, Manscaped. Summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full body grooming and hygiene products. It is time to get ready for summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code Campia. Guys, you know, I've been using Manscaped products for a while now, and I love starting every day feeling cleaner, fresher, and way more comfortable. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 4.0, waterproof cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. Inside the Performance Package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver ball toner and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day and no one likes nose hair so their package also comes with the weed whacker 2.0 you also get two free gifts the shed travel bag a 39 dollars value and the patented high performance reduced chafing manscape boxers get 20 percent off plus free shipping when you go to manscape.com slash campia and use the code campia that's 20 percent off plus free shipping at manscape com slash campia and use the code campia trim your chesticles with the besticles and thank you to our friends at manscaped for sponsoring this episode all right guys with that down we still got a bunch more questions for you let's get back to it so what do we got up next all right amin writes am i the only one who thought ada or adam warlock's pet thing looked uh, like a loath cat from star wars rebel that's exactly what i said to ann i i thought it was uh uh, what was his name again? A, a loth, loth, cat, whatever it is. Yes, I. You are not the only one. I a hundred percent thought the exact same thing when I saw it. Well, I mean, there's definitely some ravagers that I'm like, those guys look like they could have been in Mandalorian. So. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. All um, right. So to hear Raheem writes, uh, so glad the spoiler review is finally here. Uh, who is your favorite guardian and favorite guardian villain? I still think my favorite guardian villain is uh, Ronan the Accuser. Uh, from from the first one. I, I think that's still my favorite villain that they've done. Uh, favorite guardian is Peter. Uh, I mean, in that changed though. In Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Drax was my favorite guardian. My one critique of the Guardians franchise as a whole has been the devaluing of Drax. Because like in the first movie, he's Drax the Destroyer. And he's not dumb, He's just, you know, literal. Like, metaphor is not something his people understand. He's not stupid. And he is like, people tremble at Drax the Destroyer, right? And then as the the movies progressed, he just kind of got dumb. And, I mean, even in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, he doesn't even have a fight. Like, think about that. A character called Drax the Destroyer. 
doesn't have a fight in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Now, even though he's kind of dumb, I loved him in the holiday special, I, like completely. But I would say I kind of wish that. So anyway, it went from being Drax to Peter. Peter ended up being my favorite Guardian. All right, what's next? All right, we've got Sam Fisher who writes, I love that when Nebula pointed out that Drax and Mantis were useless, it took no time to prove her wrong, but it was done naturally. Yeah, I mean, I one of the things that I appreciate about the movie a lot was that the dynamics of real relationships comes out. People argue. The closest of people argue and fight and get on each other's nerves and all that kind of stuff. And I really appreciated that that was kind of a part, especially in high-stress situations. In high-stress situations is when it really comes out. And I like the fact that James Gunn didn't shy away from that. I like that a lot, actually. All right, what's next? All right, Balky writes, Rockets cry he let out when uh, Lila was killed will go Ugh. down for me as the saddest cry ever at a movie. Uh, completely wrecked me. The end was a big surprise. And could it be that Peter will uh, be the leader of the new Avengers? I can't imagine Peter will be the leader of the Avengers. He will try to be. I mean, he will definitely he will try to be. Try that's to be. always the best part about him when he, when he plays up that part. And like, you like know. just the conversation with him and Iron Man, right? And Infinity War. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, no, I, I don't, I agree with Ray. I think we can see him try to be the leader of the Avengers, but I do not think he will yeah, let him be the leader of the Avengers. Steps, if they have like the, the King room, I could see him sneaking in there, moving in, kind of pushing whoever is leader away. <laughs> I could see him doing all the, the funny stuff that we love about him, but yeah. All right. What's next? All right. Sam Fisher writes, only James Gunn would have the courage to shoot his wife in the leg. She was the security guard. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I honestly found it a little distracting. I think she's great in Peacemaker, okay? I, I actually think she's wonderful. But, uh, yeah, to me it was a little cringy seeing James put her in this movie too. Like, really? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. You know, somebody else brought up to me the other day. They said, how come, you know... Because I had mentioned that before. I said, you know, I find it a little bit cringy, even though I think she's wonderful. And I think James is wonderful. I find it a little cringy that he keeps sliding her into these movies. Somebody else said, you know, how come before when directors have a certain favorite they like working with and they slip them in? We all think it's amazing that they do that. But why can't James do that with his wife? And I'm like, you know what? That's a fair point. I mean... I do still personally find it a bit cringy, but it is a fair point to make that other directors do stuff like that. And when they do, we're like, oh, it's so cool. Like, for instance, Nathan Fillion, right? James Gunn had Nathan Fillion in Slither. His buddies with Nathan Fillion had Nathan Fillion appear in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, although he was an alien stuff, so we didn't know it was him. Then he put Nathan Fillion in this one again. Nobody's complaining that James Gunn keeps dropping in Nathan Fillion, but we have a problem when it's his wife. That's a fair, hey, listen. I find it cringy, but that is a fair, fair point to make. So maybe something I got to think about. All right. What's next? Okay. Parker writes, uh, is it just me or just the No Sleep Till Brooklyn song getting overused in movies? It was in Guardians 3 and Super Mario movie. Yeah. I'm sure in the production of these movies, neither side knew that yeah. the other was going to be putting that song in. Uh, but for me, you can never get enough Beastie Boys. Uh, they are licensed to ill. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, my God. They're, they are licensed to ill. Not a lot of people know that. All right. What's next? Motossum's next. Possibly uh, possible recency bias. But as of now, the uh, owner corridor action scene um, to no sleep till Brooklyn is my favorite fight action scene in the MCU. 
I still have several that are ahead of it, but it is a great scene. It's an absolutely fabulous scene. And just the way it was composed, the movement of it, set to a great piece of music to go with it, it was incredible. All right, what's next? All right, Cody Carroll writes, can't uh, can't believe Star-Lord didn't have his mask. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. And I saw somebody in the live chat say, well, James Gunn explained that he left it behind on Nowhere. It's funny because in the other two movies, he never left it behind anywhere. And all of a sudden, he's, uh, I, again, it felt weird to me, but, but, I didn't even notice the first time yeah. I watched it. It wasn't until afterwards somebody said, how come Peter didn't have his rocket boots or his helmet? I'm like, oh, yeah. So I didn't even notice it when I was watching it. But It kind of sounds like people bought that mask and wanted to wear it, but they couldn't because it wasn't in the movie. I don't know. Yeah. All right. What's next? All right. Parker's back. Uh, which fake out death uh, near death of one of the Guardians surprised you the most? Uh, did you think any of them were actually going to die? Yeah, absolutely. I 100% thought. I, I would have bet money and lost that Peter was dying in that scene. I, 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 I totally bought into it. Yeah. And then the Nebula one, when yeah. she was like, I got it. And she's taking care of the ship and she's plunging her arms into connected yeah. the ship. I actually thought she was going to die there. Although that sense, that would have made more sense as a death to me. Cause she was, she would have been dying doing something. Going heroically. down with the ship, saving them. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Peter would have died because he went back to get a zoom. Yeah. But those two, I actually bought into. All right, what's next? Motossum writes, am I the only one who's looking forward to Superman flying sequences after how Gunn filmed Adam Warlock's flying scenes? Especially on, yeah, I noticed that on Counter-Earth. I thought the same. When he's yeah. yelling for his mother. Yeah, no, it's great, but it's going to be very hard, even for James Gunn, to top what, to me, Zack Snyder did with Superman flying in Man of Steel. Like everything from first flight to fighting Zod and all that kind of stuff like that to me was like, I just felt awe and wonder and inspired. Huh. And if he can do that, if he can pull that off too in the new Superman, that'll be quite the I, feat. I, I can hear James Gunn, Gunn saying bet. Bet. <laughs> I, I, hey, listen, I hope he can. I hope he can, because that would be fantastic. Challenge accepted. <laughs> all right, what's next? I, Kurt, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. All right, Curtis Lopez writes, I never wanted to see a character die a horrific death more at, than after High Evolutionary mocked Rocket for crying over yeah. Lila oh, Luck. My. He was a, he was a gaslighting narcissist. I, I wanted him dead can I, too. Can I take this one real quick, John? Sure. I have I had two bruises of the, uh, two knuckles on my left thigh and one on my right thigh, uh, right above my knees. Because whenever he talked to Rocket, I would clinch my fist up so bad and like it would <laughs> turn so white. But I. I was pressing down on my thighs, like you better not do anything. That I got bruises right here after the movie, <laughs> dude. That 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 guy, I, oh yeah. I no, listen, everybody wanted him to die and die a horrible death. Like when they pulled his skin mask off, I think everybody was happy that to see enough. how bad. <laughs> that wasn't enough <laughs> to see how bad. But now the only, I would say this, the only character that I want to see a more gruesome, horrific death is Nate oh, from Ted yeah. Lasso. That's it. Nate got to die. Nate, like I just don't feel as bad about Nate as I do about the high evolution. No, nope, Nate's got to die. <laughs> that hurts head. Uh, That's, that must be your extreme love for sports. Dude, but I, I'd say sports Gamora, has I'd, to be it. I'd say Gamora had like the best, uh, that knife blow to high evolutionary. That's oh yeah, slow and that look, yep. and then she peels the, the face off. Woo. Oh, she's she's great. All right, what's next? 
Uh, Casey Mack writes, love this movie. It is probably my favorite out of the Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. trilogy. I also thought um, Chuck Woody, uh, Iwuji, did yeah. a great job on making it. Yeah, great. He was doing great. Oh, that. he did. And listen, by the way, I, I mean, I know I, I wax poetic a lot about Peacemaker, but he's really good in Peacemaker, too. Um, he uh, he's He's special. He's a special actor. To play a character like that the way he played it um, could not have been easy to do, but he did it brilliantly. And I'm looking forward to seeing whatever DC movie James Gunn drops him in next. All right, what's next? All right, we've got uh, Young uh, Meter Meter Rhea. Uh, Quick one, how did Mantis get the H-E coordinates? I have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, I don't either. What's H-E? Was that when they were trying to find the... H-E coordinates. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, don't know what we're talking about. All right. All right. What's next? John Redcorn writes, not going to lie, the new Guardians lineup is super weak. What? What? Outside of maybe uh, Groot, there's no one on the team now that could be a solid number two to Rocket. I mean, I mean, you're not wrong in that sense, but it is a new team, right? It's a brand new team. The reality, though, is in terms of power. I mean, that's. I think that team would beat the original Guardians of the Galaxy team. Honestly, I think Cosmo by himself might be able to take out the original Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. team. Um, uh, Adam Warlock came very close to taking out all the original Guardians of the Galaxy team by himself. No idea how powerful that little girl is. No idea. Groot is clearly now a much more roided up version of Groot. Um, so, but yeah, who's the the obvious number two? Kraglin, uh, I'd say. Not sure. Not sure. But you know what? To be honest, I don't think the Guardians team was ever about putting powerful people together. Just a different sorts of personalities and characters that uh, everyone. Oh, hundred percent, absolutely. To, but so. if you're going to be the Guardians of the Galaxy, there has to be a power level, right? There, right? To right, some right. degree, right? Right. All right. What's next? All right. Fameblaze seventy one writes: Adam instantly trying to reason with Gamora when she threatened to kill uh, the animal was so funny. Don't be. Oh yeah. Don't, don't be, be rash. rash. Yeah, that, okay. You know, I think that's the one moment in the movie that I thought, that's clever, that's funny. Like, that that came out of Adam Warlock. I, again, I could have done without Adam Warlock for most of it, but I think that, yeah, I think that's a good observation. I think that was the one good one. <laughs> All right, what's next? All right, my five head writes, uh, always loved Rocket, but volume three uh, made him my favorite MCU character. Uh, I had a traumatic childhood, and I also struggle with mental illness, so Rocket, um, as a character, is very relatable. There is something, you know, I, I, I talked to Anne about this when we came out. There's a great scene in the, I believe the first, yeah, it's the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie when they're in a bar and Drax and Rocket start to get into a fight. Mm-hmm. And Drax is like, he has no respect. And Rocket's like, this is true. <laughs> um, he called me a thing. Some you like, right, whatever. And he's like, I didn't ask to be torn apart and put back together again. Like all this kind of stuff, right? Watching this movie now, this is one of those rare things where watching this movie makes one of the previous movies even better. Because I, I went back and I watched that scene now, now knowing what has happened to Rocket. Now having seen what happened to Rocket. And now you go back to that previous movie and that previous scene when being a look, because Rocket is very guarded. So obviously he was drunk. So he's letting his guard down. His emotion was coming out. And, you saw, and then you watch that scene now from Guardians 1 having seen guardians three, it makes it like triply powerful, like triple the power. It's, it's amazing. 
Yeah. Right. Power. I, I had Super always power. understood it like he had no memory of that, you know, until this, you know, so too. So it really does. You're right. It does add a lot more weight. Yeah. To it. All right. What's next? All right. Uh, Drax's dad's story was heartwarming. It was so heartwarming from Fangblaze 71. Um, where he, you know, they, they, where they're like, you're not a destroyer. You're a dad. Oh, a him. I yeah, thought, yeah, wait, yeah. they didn't talk about Drax's dad. Um, yes. Again, I don't like the path they took of him being an idiot, but that whole thing, that line was beautiful. You're not, you're not a destroyer. You're a father. You're a dad. And again, that is something that you can go back to that original movie too. Like when Rocket is talking to Drax, oh, boo-hoo, my daughter is dead. We've all got dead people. And that, again, now when Rocket says that, we know he's talking about Teefs and Floor and Lila and all that kind of stuff. But it, it just makes that whole thing even richer. And to think about, because that, I mean, that was always in the movies, his driving motivation. Yeah. Vengeance for his daughter. Yep. Right? And to come that back around that, look, at your heart, you're, you're still a dad. You're a father. You care. And I thought that was beautiful. So even though I, I didn't really like the way they handled Drax in the final two movies as a whole, the fact that they brought it to that moment was a beautiful and satisfying moment. All right, what's next? All right, Fang Blay 71 is back. What do you think future plans for Star-Lord are? I think somebody else, you know, I've had people asking me, when do you think we're going to see Star-Lord next? And I think somebody who wrote in a little bit earlier nailed it. I, th I think it's going to be Avengers. I don't think we're going to see Star-Lord again until Avengers Kang Dynasty. Uh, I think we will see him there. I, he might pop up in something else. MC, like, I just don't know what else. Like, I don't believe he's going to pop up in Marvels. I don't believe he's going to pop up in Fantastic Four. I don't believe he's going to pop up in Blade, if that movie ever happens. I don't believe he's going to pop up in Captain America 4. I don't, so they may very well be the next Avengers movie, but it could be something else. Maybe Shang-Chi, who knows? All right, what's next? All right, uh, Attack of the Mushi writes, thoughts on fake deaths and Gamora's death after watching volume three. It worked for me. James pulled it off. The heartbreak and loss got me in the feels. Um, the, the one reason that I'm going to give Marvel, because I'm normally very, very hard on them for the fake death stuff in this movie, it was because it was directly connected with the audience's expectation that one of them was going to die, Right. And that's how they surprised us. Like, it's different than in, say, like Captain America Winter Soldier when they do the fake death with uh, uh, Nick Fury, right? Or they do, they've done the fake death with Thor like three or four times where, oh, he's dead. And then two minutes later, no, he's not dead. You know, that sort of thing. They've done it over and over again. And it usually drives me crazy when Marvel does it. But the fact that James Gunn used that against us here i actually thought it was pretty clever i thought it was well done all right what's next all right Stephen wolf writes nice jacket on the john campy show today <laughs> did you think that the teenage mutant ninja turtles were about to join the mcu uh, when the high <laughs> evolutionary put the turtle into the uh evolution tube i can't i can't be the only one okay listen no i did not think they were going to do that but in the back of my head somewhere i'm like well if anybody was going to do that it would probably be a james gunn and it would have, I mean, because I, I don't care. The, today's iteration of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are stupid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if they had he'd put a turtle in there and it was wearing a mask and gone, Kowabunga, I, would, I wouldn't put that <laughs> past James Gunn. But, uh, but no, I didn't really think they're going to do it. But again, if anybody would have, it would have been James Gunn. Did you just pass judgment on big turtles that do ninja kicks? 
Yes. No, 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 no. I love big turtles that do ninja kicks. What I don't love is big turtles that do ninja kicks that say cowabunga and eat pizza. Okay, give me the original black and white Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles any day of the I week. Think they're behind that curtain in the uh, video be. store where it says adults only. <laughs> yeah, adults only. All right, we've got that. Not many people knew we had that in the John Candy no. offices, but we do. All right, what's next? All right, Curtis Lopez writes, the opening song, Creep by Radiohead, and closing song, Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine, were perfectly chosen. They were. I mean, but listen, the music throughout the movie was perfectly chosen. And again, I know I said it twice already, but especially like come and get your love playing at the end. It was like full circle. It was such a perfect way to end the series. But you're absolutely right. The, as they have in all the Guardians movies, always the right music choice thread. They, they did such a great job with that. Yeah. Fun fact that come and get your love plays in our adult only section too here. Oh, it's 24 yeah. seven. As a matter yeah. of fact, uh -huh. there's a little sensor on the door. As soon as you open the curtain, <laughs> bow, 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 bow. all right, come what's and next? Get your movie. All right. Johnny got <laughs> lost, right? Uh, I like that. They uh, didn't take the easy way out and reunited Gamora and Peter added more emotional depth to the film. I bet. I bet we were fun. I like that too. You know what? Because I, I bet if you had gone to a 500 people walking into the theater to watch Guardians of the Galaxy and you did a poll, do you think Peter and Gamora are going to end up together at the end? I bet you 90% would have said yes because that is the stereotypical cliche thing to do. They're going to rediscover their love. That would have just been there. I would have been like, okay. Her, her fake death was stupid then, you know, but because now it, like fake at, death least, was stupid. at least her not remembering Peter and like being like a completely different person. At least that's better than just coming back and everything's perfect again. But, you know but what I mean? they kind of went halfway, right? Because there was that moment in the third act of the film near the end of the movie when she's seeing the loyalty, the compassion, the bond that they have and all kinds of, and there's that moment where she's looking at Peter and you could tell that was the moment where she realized, Oh, I get it. Like, cause up until yeah. that moment, she couldn't have fathomed. How did I fall in love with that guy? Like everybody's telling me I was completely in love with him. I can't even see how that's possible. But then they had that one moment where she's looking at the group of them after, you know, that big emotional moment. And you could see the the bell went off. She goes, "Oh, now I get it. Yeah, I now I can see how I fell in love with that guy. Now I get it." And then that line that she said, "You know, she's I, I bet we were fun." I like just she gets it now. Mm -hmm. But they didn't take it to the full cliche. Yeah. And they she let her still left. They let her to that too because when yeah. he he did the self destruct, she was like, "Oh, okay, he's clever. You can see the smile." And then uh, there was another scene, too. Now I just drew a blank. But the, they, they were leading up to that, too. Yeah, I agree. All right, what's next? All right. Uh, Curtis Lopez, were you surprised as I was that... Oh, wait, did I just read that one? Plenty of moments to tease if someone couldn't die. I think, okay. Were you surprised as I was no one died in this movie? But uh, there were plenty of moments when they tease us of someone could die in this scene. Again, that was James Gunn making this movie fully aware that everybody was expecting somebody to die in the movie. 
And he toyed with us and he did the one thing that nobody expected, that none of them died. We were all expecting one or more of them to die. hundred percent. We were all convinced that one or more of them, this is the last one and all that kind of stuff. Some, there's going to be a tragic death, all that kind of stuff. And he, he got us, he got us and he used those tropes against us perfectly. And it, and it really, really worked. All right. What's next? All right, Johnny Got Lost is back and writes, I love this movie so emotional, might see it for the fourth time. My favorite of the series, and I can't wait for Superman Legacy. The future seems bright. The The future does seem bright. And and I'll tell you what, what Marvel now needs, because listen, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Marvel needed this movie. They needed this movie because I had gotten to the point after several Disney Plus shows have let me down, a couple of them were great, but a couple, but several of them have let me down. After a couple of the Marvel movies have left me feeling, you know, not thrilled. A couple that I that I loved, but a number of them, some one or two of them that I straight up didn't like, and a bunch of them that I thought were eh, okay. I haven't gone into a Marvel thing lately expecting to have a great time. And I think if Guardians of the Galaxy 3 had shit the bed, I I think that really would have buried my enthusiasm for the MCU because of just between She-Hulk and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania, and it's just a bunch of the Disney Plus shows that I thought were lukewarm and a couple of the movies that were lukewarm. And like, they needed this. And it would really, really help them out a lot if their next movie, which I think is the Marvels, is the yeah. next one up, I think. It is. They... they hopefully they can nail that one too. Like it would be great to have two in a row from Marvel that really, really knock it out of the park. We'll find out. All right. What's next? Curtis Lopez writes and star Lord is supposedly returning. When do you think we'll see him in uh next standalone movie, Disney plus show King dynasty secret wars. You ain't getting Chris Pratt in a Disney plus show. Um, and it ain't going to be a standalone movie because that wouldn't come out to like 2027, 2028. I, again, like we said earlier, I think the thing that makes most logical sense is the next Avengers movie. So probably Kang Dynasty. Yeah. Again, there are other properties that he could, but again, I can't see him popping up in Marvels. I can't see him popping up in Fantastic Four. I can't see him popping up in Blade. So I, I'm, my money right now would say the next Avengers movie, but who knows? Like the world is nothing but possibilities for them. All right, what's next? Jonathan Cahoon writes, Gamora and Rocket were the only two Guardians to not be snapped. So Gamora's reaction to Rocket being okay really hit me. Oh, you know, I never even thought yeah. of that. Wait a sec, did Nebula? Yep. Yeah. No. No, 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 Nebula uh, did not. No, oh, no, I was no, say, I Nebula did Nebula not. Nebula in this question. Remember how she started crying? When she found out that Rocket was still, I think, yeah, I think she probably meant, yes, I think she she wasn't a part of the snap or Rocket wasn't in the snap. Everyone else was. Yeah. I mean, technically Gamora wasn't part of the snap because she was already dead. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. She was dead by that point. Yes. Nebula. Yes. That that was me right there. That's when I was like, okay, the robot is crying now. Yeah. (laughs) That, that, and you know, and that's, that's the first, that's the first real emotion we see from Nebula in the series, right? So I, it was it was great. Yeah, really well done. All right, what's next? Okay, um, Empire fan nineteen eighty uh, writes: My theater cheered when Groot said, "I love you guys." It wasn't an outright theatrical round of cheering in mind, but you heard that when when he says, "I love you guys," there there was some audible clapping in the theater that I was in. That was a good moment. I definitely so I, I just saw it last night. 
it was in, you know, Dolby Cinema is great, but it was a Monday after the opening weekend. And one thing while I was watching this, I was like, I kind of wish I had that opening weekend vibe with the crowd. Yeah, me too. Yeah. With this movie. Yeah. I wanted to do a goal second time. All right. CJ Rebirth writes, Bradley Cooper is great overall as the voice of Rocket, but he did really great in volume three, especially the scene when he loses his friends. Um, yeah. You know, and listen, I, while I've always loved the Rocket character, you could have swapped out Bradley Cooper in any of the two. I wouldn't have minded if uh, somebody else voiced him in number two or if we found out going into number three that they got somebody else to do the voice rocket. I really wouldn't have cared. Not that I think Bradley Cooper's done a bad job. Not at all. It's just that, yeah, you know, whatever. He's done the voice. This is the one that I was like, oh, man, he really killed it. He really did kill that. And I wish Chris Carr was here right now as the voice actor in our midst to really give some more commentary on that. But you're absolutely right, Cooper. This was his MVP moment. This was the moment he was cast for right all those years ago when they did the first one. And, and this is where it really paid off. All right. What's next? All right. Nabil writes, do you think uh, them not having the 2014 Gamora join the Guardians at the end was the right move? Yes. yes I think. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it, it just it it would have been the cliche. Right. And the fact of the matter is not only. Was she now? This was a. It's still her, right? This is still the Gamora that would eventually go on to fall in love with Peter. But not only was she from a few years earlier, she has not been with them this whole time. She's been off having other experiences and doing other things. And again, I love the fact that they brought it halfway. Yeah. That they get to the end of the movie and she realizes, oh, now I see. Yep. Yep. I I would probably fall in love with this guy. I get it now. But she still goes off back to what has been her family for the past year or two right, yeah. since coming back. So, yeah, I think it was absolutely the right move and they avoided the cliche. And by the way, it opens the door. While, why am I freezing on the name of the actress? Um, uh, uh, Zoe, Zoe. Zoe Saldana. While Zoe Saldana has said she's now done with Marvel, it was a great run. She's loved her time at Marvel, yep. but now it's for, time for her to focus on other things. While she's saying that, that's great. But the door is open a few years from now that they could do a, a, a Peter and Gamora reunion later. Yeah, so I, I was thinking the open. same thing. I, I think they just opened the door to it. I kind of expect that only because the the word legendary at the end means time has passed. He's become a legend. No, no, he's no? already legendary. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. He was already legendary. Yeah, okay. I think that was tongue in cheek. That was oh, awesome. okay. All right. What's next? Uh, uh, Curtis Lopez writes, I want my name to be floor because I'm lying on the floor. <laughs> I love floor so much. I want to hug and cuddle her or shooter, you know, whatever dead rabbit floor. <laughs> oh God. Oh, no. floor was the rabbit. Yeah. 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 I was when they teeth. turn around and that little, again, that little fucking rabbit was such an embodiment oh. of innocence. Yeah. Also, also just, just her, oh. um, in that moment too, her panicking, like, she was trying after, to after Lila died and she started running in circles and she was like panicking and she just kept saying like simple words like get in cage, get back in cage, da, 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 you know, oh, like, know. and then she gets shot anyway. That she was, was just trying, like, my and, God. And not she, only did she die, she died scared. Yeah. And <laughs> she was trying to get um, Rocket to stop uh, yeah. attacking. Yeah. Uh, the, she was like, stop, stop. Like, oh, oh my God. God. So some of the imagery in this movie, like, man, if uh, there's some kids that watched it, I hope. They well, were able to stomach it. Somebody asked me after seeing the movie, do you, do you think it's okay? This is an okay movie for kids. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know, it man. It depends it's, on it's your kid. I, it's floor. It's floor. Just looking at floor myself, sometimes I was like, oh my God, just imagining 
what they did to her to put her in that oh. predicament. It's just not. It's just not a good imagination. Some uh, things that uh, kids should be thinking yeah, about. Uh, in yeah, their head. yeah. It's up to you, and you know your kid better than anybody. But I, I just, I don't have a good answer for it. Yeah. All right. What's next? All right. Curtis Lopez writes. Oh no, I just wrote, read that one. Uh, Richard Soroke, uh retconning the sovereign as the. See, this is also oh, H.E. is high evolutionary. Oh, guys, okay. please, 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 please do not do not write in abbreviations. Please don't do that. It causes confusion. OK, anyway, now what is, what is okay. he asking? Retconning the sovereign as the high evolutionary creation made no sense as he's admittedly struggling with creating a race that is capable of creativity. They're not that creative. No, no, no. It's it's more than that. They, I mean, even the world, even on other, what did they call it? It wasn't Other Earth, was it? What it was called? Uh, it was, yeah, it was, I think it was Other Earth. Just was, Other Earth? Uh, okay, sure. Um, like these were, there was art on the wall and there was, there was television shows and all that kind of stuff. Counter, Counter Earth, Earth is what yeah. it was called. Counter Earth. It was Earth from like the 80s. Yeah. So, I mean, these, all these beings were capable of creativity, but he's talking about a transcendent kind right. of creativity, a transcendent type of intellect. Um, Cause even those two children near the end, he goes, these things, these creatures can do all this and yet they can't come close to what rocket did. Right. And so it was that transcendent kind of thing he was looking forward to them getting. And even, you know, you know, Goldie face race, wasn't it? They just weren't it. Goldie right. face race. What's next? Sure they appreciate All right. It. I think this is our last one here. Um, Tracy Dale, the, I love the ending. Um, where am I? I love the ending. I love that they didn't kill off any of the main characters, but you got more of the band is breaking up feel. So fitting. I, yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, it just, it felt like they came to the end of their road and yet see, this is what beautiful about the ending of it is that it wasn't just them going, I'm done. It was Mantis realizing she's got a new path. She needs to start. There's some, there's stuff she needs to do. Her whole existence has always been about ego and now with the guardians and she's got to do something else. It's time for Drax to finish his cycle of vengeance and he can go back to being a dad. It's about Nebula reclaiming her quote unquote humanity. It's about Peter getting back to earth and, and closing chapters and stuff like that. Like I love the fact that it wasn't just ending. It ended because other paths and other stories were beginning. Yeah. And the fact that James Gunn was able to do that in such a creative way as both the writer and the director of the film, uh, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was just absolutely beautiful. And guys, that's a great point for us to end this open spoiler discussion about guardians of the galaxy volume three. Um, just a, I dare I say a perfect ending to this story. I don't know how you could have ended guardians better than this. Um, it, it, they, they did, they surprised us. They avoided some cliches. There was great laughs, great excitement, great tears. I mean, it was just a beautifully, beautifully, beautifully done thing. And now we just have to wait till 2025 and see what James Gunn has for us next when he does Superman Legacy. Anyway, guys, that will wrap it up here for our open spoiler discussion. Thank you so much for being here and joining us. A big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you give us great fun things to think about here about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it and all of us involved here at the show. Thank you so much for your support. I want to thank, of course, Ray for being here. Jonathan Voico, who thankfully got to see Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. before we did our he open spoiler discussion last night. <laughs> he did it for y'all. And most importantly, you guys. Hey, listen, don't forget, come back and join us tomorrow for the next installment of the John Campia Show. We'll look forward to seeing you then. That'll do it for us for now, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.